From Walden Media comes The Giver. In a world where God, free will, and love were outlawed, one person would learn the truth and risk his life to restore what had been lost based on the book The Giver. Rated PG-13. Parents strongly cautioned. In theaters August 15th. Coming to you direct from the heart of New York City, all the way to wherever you are, you're listening to the VIP Jazzwall Report. In previous shows, we've had the pleasure of listening to some of the great voices in the religious world who've inspired us and shared us shared with us sorry, great moments of their work and belief. However, Martin Luther, the German monk and Catholic priest, once said, For where God built a church, there the devil would also build a chapel. And what I take from that quote is that wherever there is human intervention, there will always be a complex scenario of intention. And the world of the church seems to be no different. While the mission is to serve the Lord, there are people who will try to serve their own agenda, for better or for worse. Today's story is of the dark side of the pulpit, and our guest will reveal to us what it's like to be a preacher's wife, not once, but twice. She even pastored alongside her ex-husbands, but then it all came crashing down and she had to resurrect herself. And now she's doing so, but with a vengeance. She's producing a reality show that I hope will hit our screens shortly. It's called Preacher's Exes, and her latest book is controversially titled 3 p.m., The Preacher, The Power, The Penis, and Me. Well, without further ado, my next guest has more hit than a bottle of Hennessy, more attitude than Miss Piggy, and more personality than Shanene. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to welcome Miss Sharon K. Griffin. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Well, thank you, Viv. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited. And how are you doing with your fine self? Oh, I am excellent and still being fine, baby. Well, get the grills <laughs> in your mouth because we're going to do a lot of talking in this show. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I'm ready. So now you were a preacher's wife. Yes, I was a preacher's wife times two. So explain to us, what's the role of a preacher's wife? Wow, um, my role was really to pray for my husband, to intercede for my husband, um, to make sure that the daily functions of the church were going as smoothly as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was on the praise and worship team, and I would minister to the congregation as well. So that was my particular role, though other preachers' wives might have other roles as well. So is that the standard expectation? I mean, what's the standard role? Um, I do believe that that is one of the standard roles. Mm. Um, but really, we are to be there alongside our husbands, um, lifting him up and encouraging him um, and making sure that he has all the things that's needed for him to carry out his daily duties and to minister on Sunday mornings. But do preachers need to have a wife? I don't believe that preachers need to have a wife. Mm -hmm. I believe that uh, church has made that belief um, or made us to believe that a man needs a wife or a pastor needs a wife. But I don't particularly think that a pastor needs a wife. Most of them do desire wives and someone to walk hand in hand with them. And I think that becomes, you know, part of the front. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, but it looks better if a man or a preacher or a pastor has a wife on his side. So a wife, a preacher's wife, has to, to a certain extent, 
compromise and support her husband? I'm not saying really that she has to compromise, Mm -hmm. but definitely support. Now, many of us, we do compromise who we are, um, and sometimes even our education, you know, putting that on the back burner, though I didn't, but I do know other women who have. But as a preacher's wife, are you married to the man or the ministry? I have to say for me, I married the man, and I came into the ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't one of those women who were seeking to marry a preacher. Matter of fact, I would run away from those type of titles. However, when I was introduced to my husbands, I did not know that they were preachers initially. You didn't know? I did not know initially, no. I was introduced to the man, not the title. But then you're going to ask what he does for a living, right? Of course. Of course. But by that time, I mean, you kind of like, oh, he's fine. Or, oh, I like him. or You know? Mm-hmm. So you get attracted to that personality. But now both your marriages broke down. They did. So what were the reasons? Well, my first preacher husband, the Baptist boy, um, he was very abusive. And when I say abusive, I'm not only talking about Uh, emotionally but Mm -hmm. physically abusive and we were married for a short period of time but I knew that I could not take that anytime that you're dragging me down the steps in front of my children where they're looking out the window Mm -hmm. um, that's something that I didn't want matter of fact I was uh, seven months pregnant with our daughter and I inquired of my doctor to have a late-term abortion Um, and she said to me, I don't perform them. She said, but I have a friend who does, and I'll make sure that he calls. Fortunately for me that this uh, doctor, OBGYN, did not call um, because my daughter probably wouldn't be here today. So she's my best friend now. So I- I'm glad that she's around, and I thank the man of God for my gift, which is my daughter. But then it seems so odd that, you know, a preacher would be violent because you associate them with men of God, men of peace, men of love. I totally agree with you. The perception is... That's the perception, yes. Right, that a man of God would not do this or a man of God is not violent. You know, he's going to love his wife like Christ loves the church. But what I have found in my marriages um, with both of the men of God is that they had more issues than a little bit. Um, and they had their own demons that they had to deal with. So because they didn't deal with their demons, I was dealing with theirs and mine at the same time. What could possibly be their demons? Because their entire life is spent studying God, preaching God. So what could possibly be demons with preachers? Okay, you said that their entire life is studying God and preaching God. Um my husbands, they hardly study. Now they preach. Now they might have went to the Word of God before Sunday morning or maybe, you know, Saturday night, Friday night to see what they were going to minister. Mm-hmm. But it was not a lifestyle. And I'm not saying that all men of God are like that. I'm just telling you what went on in my home and what I saw. Um I desired to pray with my husbands, especially my second preacher husband, 
Um, I wanted us to not only be connected in the physical, but connected in the spiritual. Right. And that was an ongoing battle with us because I wanted him to so love me like Christ loved the church. However, I was not the the object of his affection. Then who was? Um, I believe it was the multiple women on the Internet, um, the multiple women that he worked with. I think he was looking for something. I think he was looking for someone to actually uh, make him or make make him feel bigger than what he really was. Maybe I was not, um, or maybe I was failing him in that area. But my thing is, how can I make you feel like a man if you're not acting like a man? And how can you make him feel big if he's making you feel small? Absolutely. I can't pretend. I, I'm not one of those people who pretend to be this or pretend to be that. I'm very transparent. I'm very open. And I'm very honest. And I think that they could not handle that. And the more I grew in God, the more transparent I was and the more I desired for my husband's to love me like Christ loved the church. In both your marriages with both the preachers, were there any similarities that led you to the breaking point of divorce? The similarities, um, I'm going to say there were similarities within them, but the similarities that made me in the marriage is different. My second husband, like I said, from probably day one to the end, mm. was multiple women. I mean, it was woman after woman. and The first one was domestic violence. It was domestic violence, and I'm sure there were other women, too. I just can't prove that. Right. Um, but for but, the second one, you knew for a fact that it oh, was... Oh, I knew for the fact. Matter of fact, one young lady called me, and I actually had prayer with her on the phone. And now when I look back at that, I'm thinking, Sharon, were you out of your mind? Were you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's where I was at that particular time. Um, I wanted my marriage, and I so wanted God. And what I told God when I got in that marriage and the reason I stayed so long was because I did not want another divorce. I wanted to work it out, and I stayed in that marriage um, 14 years, and we got divorced on that 15th year. What did you want from the relationship, and what did you actually get? We know what you got, but what were you expecting? You know, I think when any woman goes into a marriage, mm. she wants to feel loved. She wants to feel honored. She wants to feel respected and cherished, and that she's the object of that man's affection. And that's all I wanted. Um, I was, I am educated. I was making plenty of money, so that wasn't what I was looking for. Do you I think the irony of it, that you marrying preachers and now having divorced two of them, do you think your, do you feel innocence was taken away from you? I don't believe that my innocence was taken away from me. Mm. I believe that I questioned the God that I served initially. Like, God, how could you forsake me? Um, I remember I would just sit in a shower and let the water run, and I would just cry and, and not understanding, like, okay, God, if you really love me, why am I going through this? 
But now I understand that everything happens for a reason. Everything has purpose, and God really does love me. So in your own way, you're very forgiving. Oh, I'm definitely um, very forgiving. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I still love men. And I believe that God has that one man Mm. who will give me what I need and what I desire as a woman. Well, we both got a tweet the other day from (laughs) Gina at Worshipper1612. And she said, would you marry a preacher again? I will say this. This is a catch-22. I am not interested in marrying a preacher at all. The reason being is because I don't want to live a lie. I said to myself, if I married a preacher, he would have more problems than a little bit at this point because I'm going to continue to be me. I'm like a lioness that has been let out of a cage. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to experience my freedom. I'm the butterfly that came out of the cocoon. So I'm going to enjoy my life. So you might not want me on your side because people will talk about you. (laughs) So what has he gotten himself into? So you're not really upset with God. You're just more cautious about the institution of church. Definitely. Um, I love God, Mm. but I don't believe that I need to be in the four walls of a church to say that I have a relationship with God. Because every day and throughout the day, I'm always talking to him. I'm always thanking him. I'm asking him to order my steps. So I'm not upset with God, but I am upset with religion because religion confines people. It puts so many rules on people that people do not understand how to function, what they can do, what they cannot do. I say this, let God be the one that orders your steps and let him be the judge of your soul. Do you miss being a preacher's wife, though? The glamour, the status, the uh, position in the community? I don't. I don't miss being a preacher's wife at all. No. Um, I believe the things that I'm doing now Mm -hmm. is allowing me to really walk into my own. So I don't need someone else to have status. But while you were there, while you were a preacher's wife, did you, during your good days, did you enjoy that role? I don't say that I enjoyed the role of being a preacher's wife because of status. I mm-hmm. enjoyed the role of being a preacher's wife because I love to serve people. And I still do that. So you're really resurrecting yourself. I am resurrecting myself. Matter of fact, I think that I'm resurrected. <laughs> <laughs> Take me off the cross, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but you know your body of work so far, your your uh, show, um, Preacher's Exes, okay. your your book. It 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 it's about obviously um, women who've been in your circumstance. Yes. So it sort of represents that you want to tell the world and reveal to the world what can go wrong. And what does go wrong? I do, but I also want to empower so many women, not just the preacher's wife, Mm -hmm. but the woman, the everyday woman who's going through certain situations. And I want to empower men where they can say, hey, that's me. I don't want to be that anymore. I want to love my wife. I want to stay in this marriage. I want us to work. So it's not all about the woman 
but it's about society as whole because the family unit is breaking down. What I saw, I saw a clip of your show. Um, There were only black women. Is this a problem just relevant to black churches or to every church? Um, To every church. Not not only to the African-American church, Mm -hmm. um, but to every church. And there are Caucasian women and... But your show just had African-American women. And it won't always be like that. It's just for right now. Just for right now. (laughs) Just for right now, yes, sir. Is your personality a front because you sound comfortable, you sound confident, you're happy? Um, Is that just sort of makeup that covers the scars of a life of hurt? You know what? That's a very important question. Mm. Um, I'm genuinely happy. I'm genuinely satisfied with my life. However, the only area that I can say that I wish is in the area of love. Um, a lot of people will not admit Mm -hmm. that they want to be loved. I want a healthy relationship. I want marriage. I want to be able to come come home to that particular man and let my guard down, let my hair down, even though I don't have hair. But you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I, I want to be his queen as he is my king. So... No, I'm not fronting in my personality, but love is something that I truly desire. So how do you cope with the pain? Because obviously when you were younger, you didn't get married imagining you'd have a divorce. I sure didn't. But, you know, when you are used to pain, Mm -hmm. you deal with pain. And I think when I'm stressed and when I have those times where I'm feeling down and low, I have a margarita, and I hit the dance floor, and that's where I become free again. You know, a lot of people look at me, and they're like, oh. But the dance floors are only open at night. And and that's true. So daytime, how do you do, how do you manage? You just, you're obviously doing the show. Right, I have the show, but I also have a life coach. Right. You know, and I have friends that I can talk to and be transparent with. Um, I cannot say that I have done this alone. It has been people by my side every step of the way through this journey, people that I trust and people that I love and I know who loves me back. Now tell us about the show. It's a reality show, right? Yes, sir. But it's real or is it scripted? It's real. Everything that everyone has seen Mm -hmm. thus far is totally real. Um, the transparency. What is the objective? And someone's watching it. What's the message that they're going to get? Again, it has to go back to empowerment, but we also want you to see how we are surviving, what we are doing with our lives at this current state. So in a way, is it? it's not about how much wrong the preachers do? Definitely not. Definitely not at all. Uh, we know that the preachers have done us wrong. We're called preachers' exes for a reason, <laughs> you know. But we want women to see us and say, wow, I can make it. If she did it, I can do it too. Now, with some of the cast that are on there, yes. what were some of their stories that made you feel that they should be on the show? Um, I believe that we all have, of course, the similarity of being 
a preacher's ex, but then being married to a down low preacher, um, a preacher who... Could you explain down low? Yes. Down low is someone who has someone, a woman, on their side, but secretly they're having relations with men. Mm-hmm. So that's a down low. We have that aspect. We have the HIV and AIDS aspect of one of um, the cast members' fiancés. Um, we have a lawyer who traveled with her husband, and they lost everything. So we have so many dynamics. We have abuse. So those are the aspects of us. But I think we have all gone through some of the same things. We have the one who was in the marriage 25 years, and, you know, far as being intimate with her husband, never experienced the orgasm until she came out of that marriage. I mean, because intimacy is something that's very important for many of us. Who who wants a man just on top of him doing his business as opposed to romancing you and showing you um, and letting you experience the fullness of intimacy? But it's not all about sex, though. It's not about all about sex, but it's about intimacy. And consideration. That's right. What does she like? You know, what does he like? Let's look at it from another perspective. Let's do it. It's, is it very stressful being a preacher? I believe that it can be very stressful. Because it's become a business now as well. It's definitely a business. I think it can be very stressful, especially the higher you go, mm-hmm. because it's a business. It's not only you preach and it's, okay, how much money have we made this Sunday? Um, do we have enough for the light bills? So those type of things come into play. How do the financial dynamics work in the church? Well, ties and off- offering for us. Mm-hmm. You know, however, I have to say my husband, my ex-husband, he was excellent because we gave more than what we ever could have received. And that's what I um, really appreciated about him is that he wasn't out to take away from the people, but he was more giving. Matter of fact, I wish he would have gave to me like that in the aspect of love. He was a provider at home um, during certain points. Now with these ladies in in the in the uh, in the show, mm-hmm. they each of them come from a certain different background of pain. That's true. Are you going to be projecting on each one of them and how they get by? I think so. I think that we have to. We have to know what has gone on, even in the childhood, even in the home. You know, to get us to a certain place. Now, I can look at myself being molested at the age of six and seven and how that just, it set a certain path for me in life. And not saying that I cannot or have not gotten out of that turmoil, but it does set precedence um, for one, especially a child who doesn't understand why this happened to me. They know it's wrong, but they have no one 
to really turn to because generally in the black community, we have a term, what goes on in the house stays in the house. And that has also trickled into the church. What goes on in this church stays in this church. So even when I was going through certain situations with my, especially my last husband, it was like, oh, a little slap on the wrist now. Son, you know you're not supposed to do that. We're going to pray about it. And I'm thinking, pray? How about sit us down? How about saying you don't need to be in ministry right now, but we are going to counsel you so that your marriage and your home can be healthy? Because what people don't understand is the things that affect me affect my children. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break right now. But when we get back, Sharon will share with us more about the new reality show called Preacher's Exes and some of the backlash she faces. I'll be asking her if the purpose of producing such a show is an act of vengeance, an act of symbolism, or just pure entertainment. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We will be right back after these messages. In a world where God, free will, and love were outlawed, one person would learn the truth. Secrets would be revealed. The way things look and the way things are are very different. To save his world and the child who held the future, he had to risk his life. You can stop this. You can change things. To restore what had been lost. Based on the worldwide best-selling book, Meryl Streep, Jeff Bridges, The Giver. Rated PG-13. Parents strongly cautioned. In theaters August 15th. More information at Walden. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the VIP Jazzwell Report. Our guest is Sharon Griffin, who is a preacher's ex-wife, not once, but twice. Her new show called Preacher's Exes will hit our screens soon, and in this part of the show, we will talk about it in greater detail. In the previous part of the show, she mentioned that the church likes to keep its affairs private, even if those affairs are questionable. So let's get back to the show and find out more from Sharon Griffin. Now, you said... What goes on in the church stays in the church. What goes on at home stays at home. Yes. You're actually uncovering what's been going on. I am. By producing the show. You're right. And you haven't really felt the full effect of it or the backlash. I I felt some. Well, the show hasn't like fully aired yet, right? And that's true. But if you look at the sizzle reel and all the blogs mm-hmm. and things that we've been on, like News One and Michael Baston, we are called whores, we're called ratchet, we're saying people are saying that we're destroying the church. But I say to them, what about the woman that's being destroyed in her spirit? What about the woman who's dying silently because she can't talk or she's afraid to talk or she doesn't know who she can trust? Why why what why is the black church trying to uh, why trying trying to cover this up? I think the black community at whole mm-hmm. and I'm I'm not saying all but a lot we don't like to deal with the issues at hand. Really? You know, um growing up even therapy was quote unquote for white people. Black people just didn't air their dirty laundry out. That's why it goes back to what goes on in the house stays in the house. Um, And I believe people don't want to deal with these issues. People see these issues all the time. And I hate to hear people say, oh, he's just a man. 
But then in the Bible it says, follow me as I follow Christ. So how can I follow you if you're really not following Christ? You're not being a godly example, a Christ-like example. So do do people view you as radical? People do view me as uh, radical, yes, and a maverick. And that's okay because I've always been different. So I don't mind. Um, I believe that I have tough skin because of all the situations that I have gone through in life um, because of being the preacher's wife or the preacher herself. You know, I've lost friends. People talked about me. Those who were closest to me have walked away. And you tend to, I don't want to say you put up a wall, but you learn to protect yourself and protect your heart. So in your journey of life so far, um, you got divorced twice. Um, Do you have friends that stayed with you or more have left? Um, my friends are my friends. Mm. And some of them have been with me through my journeys of life. And they're, they're continuous. And I don't believe they will walk away because of the show or anything else that goes on in my life. But I will say that my friends are very few. And there has been people who have come into my life for a season. And I thank God for the season, you know, because either they're getting something from me or I'm getting something from them. And when I say something, I'm not talking about material things. I'm, talk I'm talking about life lessons. Your ex-husband. Yes. What do they feel about you producing the show? Well, the one who was abusive, we have not communicated since my daughter was a, a baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now she's 18. Now, my ex-husband, he says, you better not mention my name, you know, on your show and things like that. But he has no trump card because we have no gag orders. Will I mention his name? I don't think so, because I'm not going to give you my shine. Now, if he agreed to be on the show so the world can see, okay, this is going on, you know, and, and they're trying to work this out or, or she's trying to let him understand and vice versa, that's fine. But just to call your name out, no, I, I will never do that. You're not that important to me anymore. So as part of the show, are you going to have the ex-preachers as opposed to the preachers' ex-wives? I actually invited him on. That's what I'm saying. I invited him on so we could go through counseling with um, my daughters. And, it's, and he, he refused. He doesn't want to be a part, yes. What about the other cast members, their ex-husbands? They're not interested as well. But I say, why not be interested? If if you feel that you were not in error and that we are wrong, come on the show. We have no problems doing that. Because to me, it's about transparency and being honest. It's about you explaining how you feel. It's about me explaining how I feel. Why didn't this work? So that we can help some other couples who are possibly going through what we've gone through or who need healing. So how do these women then um, 
fend for themselves or do they sort of live off alimony, which I'm assuming sometimes gets stopped? Uh, yes, that. Um, some are working. It's it's just the whole gamut of things. Um, and I'm not going to share their business, and maybe it's something that will come out on the show. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. It's been a heck of a journey for all of us. So from the show, is the show entertainment or is it symbolism? I believe it's symbolism Mm -hmm. and entertainment because, you know, anytime you're on television, you have to entertain. But we can entertain in our realness. And you said that it's not just for the African-American women. There will be Caucasian women as well. Yes, eventually. So where do you find these disgruntled ex-wives? Please don't call them disgruntled. They're not disgruntled? (laughs) I mean, we have all gone through something, and some of us are still going through. Mm. But the object isn't being evil or being bitter. It's saying, hey, I need healing, and this is one of my ways of getting healed so that other women who come behind can also be set free. So how do you assess someone in order for them to come on the show? A casting call. You're interviewing them. You're communicating. What are you looking for when you do the interview? What are the questions you ask? What are you looking for in their lives that make it worthwhile for people to watch? Basically, we want to know their stories. Are they are they different? Mm. What makes them different? How would this fit into our show? You know, we need different aspects of it. So everyone can't be the same. Everyone has to have different personalities. Right. Everyone can't be high-strung like I am. <laughs> everyone can't be, you know, the the one who needs some thorough counseling. <laughs> everyone can't be funny. You know, everyone can't be, duh, like, you know, like, right. I don't know what's going on in life. I'm just here. You know, everyone has to have a different trait, a different characteristic. Now, we mentioned, you know, people are being critical. Yes. Are they mostly much. the men? No, it's men and women. And I say it's women that has been brainwashed. Mm. Tell me about the brainwash. Well, in church, you know, women are taught to act a certain way, to be a certain way that, you know, we have to pray our husbands through and anoint their shoes and anoint the windows in in the house and pray that demon away and just things like that. We're taught all those things. You need to stay with that man of God. I don't care if he's going upside your head. You pray for him. And I'm thinking, really? The God that I serve wants someone to abuse me? That just doesn't sound right. So a lot of these women are sort of brainwashed into believing that the preachers are representative of God. Yes, yes. Actually, in my book, it's like I wrote that they are considered gods, but I put with a small g. They can do no wrong. They're the closest thing to heaven. So these women that tell you to stay put. Yes. You said they're brainwashed. Do they also have low self-esteem? I believe a lot of us in church have low self-esteem. Really? To be honest, yes, I do. You know, because we're taught that the man is the head. You know, anytime 
the man says something, we ought to do it. I wish that would work in my household. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and, and many women do it. Oh, I need to serve him. I need to make sure he's satisfied. Well, what about my needs? What about me being satisfied? But is it's, this an African-American related concept of having low self-esteem? I think a lot of women overall have mm. low self-esteem, but I think especially the black woman. Where does it come from? I don't want to go here, but because you asked, I'm going to say slavery, the breakdown of the family, and it has just been passed from generation to generation. Um, but I have to say that my daughters mm -hmm. are very confident girls, more confident than the usual. And I have to say at Well, look this, at their mother. <laughs> right. I was going to say at this point in my life when I came out the cage, there was a confidence that attached itself to me. You make Shanani look like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> that cannot be broken. Right. I might go through situations that make me question but no one will ever be able to break my spirit again. Now, all these women, including yourself, have been sort of dealt a raw deal in life. Yes. Is there by any chance an accusation, if your critics make, that you girls or you ladies haven't given enough back? If that criticism was made of you, how would you all respond? Now, when you say we have not gave enough back, could you please explain a little further? Um, if your critics were to say, well, all you ladies, four or five of you in the cast or whatever, it was your inability to form good relationships rather than the preacher's inability. Okay. Rather than, you know, the ability to understand the preacher's stress. Right. And you were more focused on... Uh, what you didn't receive. Now, you know, I, I can only speak for my home. Absolutely. I believe that any, any person mm. can always do better and can have always done better. Right. But at a certain point, there becomes an exhaustion where it's like I cannot take anymore. Was I the best wife? Probably not. I was a great wife in the beginning. But when I saw certain things, when I noticed certain things, then I started to retract. However, the church people told me to keep praying and fasting, anointing his shoes, anointing the pillows things like that, and that he would change, but he never changed. Mm. I changed. And when I changed, I said enough is enough. And then when his girlfriend sent me all their Facebook messages, I said, this isn't what I want any longer. And it's time for me to walk away. And I remember on Easter Sunday, 2010, I woke up to T.D. Jakes preaching, mm -hmm. and he said, the first half of your life was like hell. He said, but God says the rest of your life doesn't have to be that way. God says you're free to get out of that marriage. You're free to get out that situation. 
you know, and and he continued on. And that was my 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 breaking point at that time where I believe that God was speaking to my spirit and saying, Sharon, you have done everything that you could possibly do in this marriage. This man isn't going to change. You are now free to go. You know, that my, my oldest daughter, she asked me, she said, Mom, I don't understand how come you waited so long to get out of this marriage, especially because you've always been strong. And she saw, um, and the children saw, that after one year of marriage, I found out that my daughter had a one-year-old child. I mean, my husband, excuse me, had a one-year-old daughter. And that that thing broke me down. So, And then the child had to come to our home in the summers. And looking at that child, I hated the child. Mm-hmm. Because every time I looked at her, she was a reminder of what he had done. Now, when I look at it now, I know that the child had nothing to do with that situation at all. But I was so bitter and angry at him for what he did, and she was just a reminder every time that I saw her. In your heart of hearts, have you forgiven have forgiven. Or have you just become numb? There is a distinct difference. No, I'm I'm not numb. Now, I'm going to tell you how I know if I have animosity um, towards someone. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to <laughs> love hearing this. Go on. No, seriously. Check it out. Um, if I come around you and the hair on my head and my arm stands up, mm-hmm. That's a resemblance that I cannot stand you. I hate you. But if I can come around you and laugh and talk and and not be bothered by your spirit, that it's not vexing my spirit, I know that I'm okay. Let me tell you something about pain. Tell me. If you keep receiving the same level of pain, Mm -hmm. it doesn't become painful anymore. I can agree. So... It could be that you've just become numb about it, and it doesn't matter anymore. Well, it doesn't matter anymore. So, you know, forgiveness is like where you... My my understanding of forgiveness is when you are open to giving it another try. Oh, no. Yeah, so you haven't no, forgiven. No, no. No, I have forgiven according to... So if the preacher came back and said, let's give it another shot. Oh, no, he's remarried. I'm happy for them. He divorces Woo-hoo. and he comes back. <laughs> No. Woman, work with me on this. No, no. I, I am totally not interested yeah. because a leopard doesn't always change its stripes. Mm. I don't know if, if you've been healed. I don't know if you've been delivered. Oh, you couldn't heal me. Free. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, thank you. I, I'm really not interested. But, hey, we can go out to eat, though. <laughs> but, but everything you do, every body of work, yes. is your uncovering this hypocrisy that exists in, in, in the world of church as you've experienced. And your right. book, 3 p.m., The Preacher, The Power, The Penis, and Me. Provocative title. Yes, it is. I get I all the other words, but what is it with 3 p.m.? Well, 3 p.m., okay. The Preacher, The Power, The Penis, and Me. Three P's and one L. Oh. It's got nothing to do with time. <laughs> It 
really doesn't have to do with time. But then when you look at the number three, the triune of God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three Hebrew boys, divine perfection. So there is some insight in that number three. Mm. You know? Because that was bugging me all day. And I was thinking, what's the significance of three o'clock? Right. Oh, that's very intelligent. Yes, and then life after the pulpit on Sunday, after 3 p.m. Ah. Mm-hmm. I don't only have a pretty face. I am, you know, a little smart. <laughs> well, I'm cute on the face and thin in the waist. Well, I have a beautiful smile. I'm smiling now. Well, I got more girls than Jerry's got curls. <laughs> you got me. I, I'm not a rapper. I'm, <laughs> I'm a poet, didn't you know it? <laughs> now, you're looking for a guy. Yes. And I know what you're thinking, how a woman like you can get with a brother like me. I'm taken because I'm USDA approved and I'm on the endangered species list. So oh, what wow. kind of guy are you looking for? You know... Hmm. Preacher, pastor? No, 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 no. I love a businessman. I love a man. Pastors are businessmen. Well, not. I, I don't want a pastor. Okay, okay. Let, let's get that you had out it of twice. your mind. <laughs> I just want someone who's running things, who's running his life, hmm. um, who knows how to treat a woman, and someone who can show me something different because I've always carried the weight in the relationship. You look very different, though. I do. I do. And I in do. your photos, in some you're light-skinned and some you're dark-skinned. Which one is it? I'm never dark-skinned. I'm caramel. You're caramel. I'm caramel, baby. I'm milk chocolate. <laughs> Viv, you are not no milk chocolate anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, so... See, let me tell you something. A lot of men are intimidated by me. Really? Yes. I'm going to snap, crackle, and, and pop you, baby. What do you and, mean? And they try to figure me out, and they can't. And that's where they become confused. So I need someone who's strong. Well, what's strong in figuring you out? That means are you playing, are you a schizophrenic? No, I'm, I'm not a schizophrenic, but I'm just saying most men can't figure me out. What is it that they can't figure out? I don't know. Maybe or are you thinking that they're thinking like the wrong thing? <laughs> they, what, what have they said to you? They can't figure me out. That, that's the general consensus. I've had that conversation this morning. They want to figure me out. They want to get to know me. But I guess maybe I have a wall up. I'll say that. So Where, hasn't, hasn't the person said to you what... It is about you that they can't figure out. You see, I know for a fact, wow. uh, after this conversation on the show, um, you do a wonderful job of hiding your pain. You but are. Stop an... saying that. I'm not hiding. Woman, shut pain. your mouth. I'm talking. Anyway, go ahead. Um, you, you have this wall. I do. Um, and when I say you hide your pain, it's not that you're hiding it. It's that you don't live in the past anymore. You, right. You're Why sort of a person I? who is. I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not uh, arguing with you. I'm just telling you that 
Um, you live in the present. You, you come across as an optimist. But you seem uh, genuinely looking and searching for happiness and being happy. And I told you that. I said the only area in my life mm. that I'm lacking is the area of love. I said that. I admit that. So if the man gives you love and shows you love, do you get guarded? No, I don't. I become very open to it, and I begin to give back. I think my issue is, and this is what I've talked to God about the last few days, God, why do I keep picking the same man, different face, over and over and over again? Mm. I attract liars, and I attract cheaters. Wow. And that's honest. And then, you know, I look at people, mm -hmm. and this is why I'm guarded, to say, okay, what kind of game are they playing? Right. So then it becomes a game. You're not afraid to show your strength. When I show my strength, I feel that a lot of men want to try to make me feel weak or to get me to a place of intimidation or to get me to a place to break me down. Right. And that will not happen because I will let them go before that happens. Um, I'm learning to look at the red flags early. Well, sweetie, very quickly, where can we get the book? Um, Amazon.com mm -hmm. and also on my website, SharonKGriffin.com, C H E R. O-N-K-G-R-I-F-F-I-N.com. I want to wish you the very best. Thank you. Come to the end of the show. And somebody get her an amen. 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 <laughs> Can I get a hallelujah? Holla. Holla. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. That was the wonderful Sharon Griffin. Your comments and your followers so very welcome on my Twitter account at Vip Jaswell and my Facebook page. Just type in Vip Jaswell Report. Also, let me know what you think about today's show. A special shout-out of thanks to my wonderful team, William Sanchez and Rick Buser. I'll be back next Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern with more fascinating stories that fill our lives with the inspiration and information we so need to kickstart the week. I wish you a wonderful evening tonight with your family and loved ones. And until next Sunday, have a productive and a happy week ahead. From great suffering came a solution. Communities. Serene, beautiful places where disorder became harmony. In a world where God, free will, and love were outlawed. Our people chose to do away with emotions. Those morning injections take them away. One person would learn the truth. Hello, my name. I know who you are. Who are you? The giver. When the elders need guidance, I provide wisdom using memories of the past. Secrets would be revealed. The way things look and the way things are are very different. The young and the old are killed. For the good of all of us. They haven't eliminated murder. They just called by a different name. To save his world and the child who held the future, he had to risk his life. You can stop this. You can change things. Jonas has become dangerous. To restore what had been lost. With love comes faith. Based on the worldwide best-selling book, Meryl Streep, Jeff Bridges, The Giver. Rated PG-13. Parents strongly cautioned. In theaters August 15th. More information at Walden dot com.